You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Fifty percent of people within the church community are struggling with some kind of sex addiction, and um, I, I honestly think that that statistic is a little generous. I would venture to say that there are probably more than 50%, but I think 50% is that common wow. stat. That's, that's a bit of there. a shocker for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it is. And I You look around church and they're all upstanding, like perfect people, and you measure yourself against them. Right. Oh, I, I wish I was like them. <laughs> yeah. So how would you define sex addiction? What, what kind of behaviors are we talking about there? Um, I define sex addiction as the... An inability, I used to have some fancy definition for it. It's not so fancy anymore. I define it as like a an inability to control, to, to have self-control when it comes to participating in sexual behaviors. Okay. Um, such as excessive pornographic viewing, uh, everything that mm-hmm. is on the internet everything that, that you is, can think of maybe is yeah 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 um affairs and and i think it's a little bit different with the way that society looks at it our society as a whole it's it's really controversial some people are they have the belief that like why are we even why are we calling this a problem even and within the christian community or the church community I, I believe that we're able to, we know why it's a problem, and we, we know why we call it a problem. So that was recorded on our Life Support podcast uh, that you can hear on KTIS radio, and on, you can see that video version on our website. And what that really showed me is that we don't live in grandma and grandpa's America anymore. Things have changed a lot. And I want to just look at a poll that talks about sex outside of marriage to see that in the Christian community even, it's not a definite no anymore. So if you look here, you can see on this very top line that those who identify as Jesus followers, 57% would say that sex outside of marriage would be okay in certain situations. And if you just include evangelicals here at 46%, that's still, to me, a shocking number. That's nearly half of Christians would say that you can go outside the bond of marriage. And if you go down here to the uh, once-a-month people, you're up to 74% of people that attend evangelical churches. And so obviously, there's a disconnect to what we've always thought church people think, to what's really going on. And it's no wonder that premarital sex has become normative in our culture. It's become a problem and believers seem to be sucked in. So what I want to do today is answer a question that many people have, and she alluded to it, and that is, God, if you care, why are you so hung up on sex? If you care, why did you put such stringent boundaries around it So it's so difficult to enjoy. But what I want to do is I want to defend God's view of sexuality today. And I want you to understand what an amazing gift 
it is by just working through Scripture. And I hope that when you leave, you'll know that, that sex is a symbol, it's a sign, it's a mark of God's great love for you. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to begin in the book of Genesis. So if you have a Bible, if you have a phone or tablet, you can grab that Bible in the seat back in front of you. We're turning to Genesis 2, beginning in verse 20. Genesis 2, 20, page number 2 in that Bible that you can take there. In order to understand God's purpose for sex, we need to go back and we need to understand how it all started and why these boundaries matter so much to him. And what we see happening here is the first woman is created and God's plan for marriage is born. Now, for this to make any sense to us, we must understand that Adam was a literal person who was formed out of the dust of the ground. God gave Adam huge responsibilities to name all of the animals. And after that happened, the Bible says everything was good, except for one problem. Adam was alone. And so we begin in verse 20. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib of that that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so what you see happening here is the first marriage, and it happened before the fall, meaning this is the way God intended it to be. And so we can learn a lot from this. And the first point I want to make as we examine this amazing gift that God shows his love for you with is that sex unites a man and woman as one flesh. And this is really a key point, and it's a key understanding to take with you because it's meant to be two people who are in a covenant committed relationship. And so as you look at at the way the world works around us, casual sex has become just the norm. But the problem with that is that the uniting that we're talking about here takes place over and over. And the intention is here in verse 24, they shall become one flesh. And if one chooses to take this relationship outside of the marriage, what happens then is there's tremendous baggage created bringing into future relationships or into a marriage and we have the gift being diluted. Now, you might say, and many do, well, what about those who are engaged? You surely can't be talking about them. They are going to spend the rest of their lives together, and there's already a commitment there. 
And here's what I would say to that. I would say, firstly, that 20% of all engagements do not end up in marriage. And so there's a chance that you're not going to end up marrying your fiancé, and, and you want to pass that person off pure for future relationships. But even more fundamentally, we, we shouldn't have sex before marriage because God explicitly says it is a sin. It's a sin to do so. And because sin is involved, it dulls judgment. It, it creates a false sense of intimacy. And it can lead to all kinds of other issues. If we look at 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, we see Paul dealing with this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I believe that one of the reasons that our culture is struggling so much with sexuality is we believe that we're making all of these decisions independent from anybody else. And so it really doesn't hurt anyone. Paul has a different idea on that. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. The price, of course, was the life of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself on a cross for payment of sin so that you can have eternal life through faith in him. And so when you step outside of his boundaries, then you are violating that gift he has given you. I also find interesting that the term sexual immorality in that passage carries the connotation of various sexual activities that happen outside of a marriage including but not limited to sleeping with people that are not your spouse. God meant this to be in a marriage relationship, and huge mistakes can be made. Plus, a myriad of other problems happen. When people step outside of God's boundaries, there's diseases out there, there's shame. Children come into the picture that tend to be surprises, but I want to say one thing before we move on. If you have been involved with relationships like this, there is redemption. There is transformation. God is in the business of making new. So I'm not at all saying that you have to live forever in shame, but what I am saying is that there are consequences for walking outside of God's law. So the gift of sex is meant to meld a relationship together and to walk outside of it makes baggage that you drag into your next relationship. All right, back to Genesis 2 now. In verse 23, it connotes the intimacy God intended simply by how he created men and women. Look at 23. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So there was no helper suitable for Adam. And what God did was this amazing thing where not only did he create a, a person for Adam, he created a person from Adam. 
These people are complementary to each other. What she supplies, what he lacks, and, and he supplies what she lacks. She was created out of Adam. And I love what theologian Matthew Henry says about this. Speaking of the woman, she's not made out of his head to top him. Not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him. But out of his side to be equal with him. Under his arm to be protected. And near his heart to be beloved. And that's a beautiful picture of what's happening with this creation as God met Adam's need for a helper and someone to come alongside of him. And the theme here, again, is this intimacy that God is creating through a sexual relationship. And so God is using this to bring couples closer together. But the the next point I want to make is getting to now what why God values sex so much and why it's so important that it's, it stays in its proper lane. Sex gives us a glimpse of the unity that exists within the Trinity. Now that may seem strange to you at first, but the Trinity is the most amazing relationship that exists in the universe. Here you have the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit, three separate persons, yet equal in essence, all God. All have chosen to live together in perfect harmony, loving each other, supporting each other, serving each other. The only time there was a ripple in that relationship was the time of Jesus on the cross, and the Father looked and said, I must turn away because of the sin that you carry on you. And Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? And that's such a poignant moment because for all of eternity, the Trinity had been together in this perfect harmony. But the problem is, for us, is we can't be a part of that. We're not in that. We're not God. But God in his great mercy and in order to glorify himself, created a way for us to get just a little bit of a glimpse of the, of the intimacy that's happening in the Trinity. And that's the gift of sex. And so it tells us a lot about God. And it shows us who God is. And so it's precious to him. You'll notice here in in Genesis 2, 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And again, that's before the fall. And so God meant marriage to be this, this beautiful oneness, this kind of naive um, idea that I can just be who I am. I don't have to wear a mask, a a different kind of mask. I shouldn't even mention masks anymore because now everyone's going to think that, uh, yeah, mask forever is off the table. So I'm going to write that no more. Um, But there's this, there's this idea that there's nothing between them. And that's the way it is in the Trinity. There's nothing between, there's no hidden desires. There's no secrets, none of that. That's the way God meant this to be. And I love this one verse in 1 Corinthians 2.10. It just gives us a hint of this about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And what we see here is that the Spirit is about searching hearts, but He can even search the depths of God. He has access to 
the depths of God. He is every bit God. He is in relationship with the Trinity. And it's a beautiful, perfect relationship. And so God in his great love and mercy said, I love you so much that I want to give you just a hint of who I am. And so sex is part of that gift. And that's why God clings to it so deeply. And the fact really is, is that God is hung up on sex. It is important to him. Because it's a gift that he gave us to be used. And it's been twisted so much. And it creates shame. It creates secrets. It it creates all kinds of other issues. So if you are involved with sexual activity outside of the marriage bond right now, stop. Now, I, I, I would like to say, well, pray about that. No, just stop. Because you know that it's not right. And it's hurting you. Now, It doesn't happen automatically. You need help. Go get help. Whatever. For example, if you're watching pornography, stop. Because it is destroying you from the inside out. And if you're watching pornography as a couple, and you're saying to yourself, hey man, we're married. We can do whatever. No. No, no, no. Because when you are watching pornography together, your your passion is your lust, your feelings go to another person. And that's not how God intended it to be. So don't drag that stuff into your marriage. I could, I could tell you story after story after story of relationships that were just destroyed by dragging pornography into a relationship. And Paul has something to say about that in Hebrews 13.4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So, this is to be a pure place, a place that the two can be naked and unashamed. Now, if you are sleeping with, if you are flirting with, if you are fantasizing about someone who is not your spouse, then stop. Because again, your passion goes to someone else. Emotional affairs are just as dangerous as physical affairs. And this whole idea in our culture is, well, I I can look as long as I don't touch. No. No. I mean, I, I, I look at myself in the mirror in the morning and I say, I'm sorry, this is all Wendy's God. But she made that decision. So she has to live with it. But what you don't want to do is take your attention and and throw it out there on the street. And this is a really good word from Solomon in Proverbs 5. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? In other words, are you you going to take your sexuality out there and just throw it out there in the public? And and the answer, of course, is no. Because God meant sex to give you a glimpse of who he is and how loving he is and what relationships are supposed to be like. And he wants that to stay within a marriage relationship. So God is glorified. And so God is hung up on sex because this is so precious to him and this plan is so beautiful It's meant to enhance intimacy between a husband and wife. It's meant to show us what God is like. 
and the relationship that exists in the Godhead. But this leads me to the final point, and the one that I think for me solidifies the importance of purity, and that is that sex is a gift that helps you understand Christ's love for the church. And guess what? You are the church. And so sex helps you understand how much he loves you. Now, Jesus loves his bride. But it's hard for us to understand how much. I mean, we can see what Jesus did. He gave himself on a cross. He, he, he gave up position at the right hand of his father, and he sacrificed himself. But we have this beautiful metaphor here that Paul helps us to see that the sexual relationship between a husband and wife gives us a hint of the deep intimacy and love that Christ desires to have with his church. And so here is Ephesians 5, 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You see that, guys? That's why our houses need to be pure. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. And so what you see here is Paul building off this metaphor and helping us to understand how much Christ loves the church. And so here's, how, here's what you really have. You have, up here you have the Trinity, you have this beautiful oneness between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you have the Father who loves the Son. And, and Jesus said in John 10 that the Father and I are one. And then you have the love of Jesus for the church, us. It's beautiful, it's deep, it's intimate. But the relationship then at our level between husband and wife should reflect all of that. And that's why sex matters to God, because it's a beautiful gift. It's meant to be enjoyed by two people who are in a marriage relationship, because so much of God is wrapped up in this. And I love John Piper's description of, of this whole metaphor. The union of man and woman in marriage is a mystery because it conceals, as in a parable, a truth about Christ in the church. The divine reality hidden in the metaphor of marriage is that God ordained a permanent union between his son and the church. Human marriage is the earthly image of his divine plan. As God willed for Christ and the church to become one body, so he willed for marriage to reflect this pattern, that the husband and wife become one flesh. And so, listen, if we are followers of Jesus, we cannot be a part of that Pew Research poll that just throws sex out there and says, yeah, sure. You know, it just doesn't work because this is also deep and, and 
so well thought out by God and so precious to him. So the, really the answer to the question, why is God so hung up on sex, is because he cares. He cares about you. He cares about you receiving his own glory so that you can be wrapped up in his eternity and, and, and be saved. It's all, it all works together. But guess what? There's, there's an enemy out there. And Satan wants to destroy all of this good that God has made. And so he has taken sexuality and he has perverted it. He has amplified it. He has taken it into places that are just gross. And it seems as though people are falling for it. So that's why we got to stay close to the word. Because this is the authority. Not some stupid movie or social commentator or your friend. This is the authority. And so I'm going to just give you some truths here. I want you to take this home with you because I know that starting on Tuesday, you go back to the real world and you have to deal with people that disagree with you about this. And so the first thing I want to remind you of is that sex is a mark of God's deep and lasting love. And if you are married, God wants you to use this gift. It's meant for you. And Paul wants couples to enjoy sexual relations because it binds them together and it's meant to be enjoyed. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a little, a little a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So Paul's saying, listen, if you're married, use the gift. Now, I know there are times when health is an issue. I know there are times when it just isn't, it isn't applicable. But be thinking about that. You know, that sex should never be used as a weapon. It should never be used to try to push your partner or your spouse away. And here's the other thing I want to say is, do not ever use that verse as a license to sexually abuse your spouse. To ever say, you know, this verse means that you should have sex with me whenever I want. No. No, you still serve each other, but it's a really great reminder. And if you're single, if you're not married, you can take this with you. Pray for God's help in order to exercise self-control. Now, the danger in me talking about this issue is some of you are single. Some of you are not in sexual relationships. And so I'm not trying to, to leave you out. I'm not trying to give you the sense that you can't have a full life at all. And you can have self-control. When, when my wife passed away, God just gives you self-control. The Holy Spirit just comes and you just kick it into a different gear. It's amazing. So that self-control is possible. And guys, here's what I want to say to you. It's up to you and me to honor the women who are in our lives. It's up to you and me to keep them pure. We are the leaders. And ladies, if you're dating a guy that's pressing you for sex, run! Because I don't think he cares for you. And so it's so important that we understand that the gospel can help you have self-control. And if you're married and you're struggling with sex outside of marriage, the Holy Spirit can lead you to redemption. And finally, 
And I have to say this one more time because this nation is under siege. Pornography or other substitutes for the real thing are never, ever okay. We can convince ourselves all we want that we're mature enough to handle that adult programming. That's, that's nonsensical. You don't think Paul was mature? And he's saying, don't do it. Because, again, what happens is, here's, here's God's design. Husband and wife, passions, love, everything is directed right at each other. Satan comes around and builds this circle and wants us to go out here and go out here and go out here and go out here. When you're watching pornography, you're, you're nowhere near your spouse emotionally. And pornography is destroying America. It's destroying people's lives. I, can, I can't tell you how many guys I've sat with and couples who have been destroyed by pornography. And so please be careful of that because sex is meant by God to be this amazing gift to help you know how much he loves you. So why don't you just take a moment and just bow your head and think, you know, Lord, where am I on this issue? Are there things I need to clean up? Can, can you help me, Lord? And just take a moment and just talk to him about what you've learned, and then I'll pray. Lord God, we just thank you that you are willing to give us good gifts. And we thank you that this gift is beyond anything we can imagine. But we also know that Satan has taken it and perverted it and put it in places where it doesn't belong. And so help us, God, to understand the biblical view of sexuality, your intention for sexuality. Help us to be pure and holy and righteous. And Lord, if we've stumbled... Help us to come before you and ask for forgiveness and know that you forgive immediately and there's new life and there's transformation and there's hope. So God, we just thank you so much for loving us and helping us get a little bit of a, a taste of your greatness and awesome character and love. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.